Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of ripoffs, be really wary answering your phone. I got some new info for you coming up in today's Clark Rage about why answering your phone can be dangerous to your wallet. And later yet, speaking of dangerous to your wallet, do you know one of the factors really affecting what you pay now for insurance is the zip code you live in, at least with some insurers. I'm going to give you advice how to counteract that or benefit from it. Right now, though, I want to talk about something that is an issue for your wallet as the economy's gotten better, Americans in larger numbers are buying products from name brand manufacturers instead of private label store brands. And the manufacturers of heavily advertised consumer goods are feeling like, wow, this is the first time in forever that people are buying our stuff even at higher prices to the point that now Procter & Gamble is raising the price of a lot of its stuff 5 to 10%. Think of things like Head & Shoulders Shampoo. They make Dawn Detergent, Olay Moisturizer. They're just one brand name product company. And Procter & Gamble makes a lot more things than that. By the way, uh, diapers are big with them, toilet paper, paper towels. It goes on and on and on. And so those brand name items for the first time in a decade, are really moving up in price. And the quantity sizes are shrinking with a lot of products at the same time as what you pay at the checkout is going up. And so this time right now is the strongest in probably a decade for the argument that I make that you should buy private label or store brand instead of buying the brand name. Because, I mean, whose money is it? It's your money. And so I'm very experimental with private labels, and I try different ones, and we accept or reject based on uh, basically a collection of opinions within the family on private label and which ones they like, which ones they don't. We're all private label paper towels now, all private label uh, facial tissue. We're uh, private label on most things that we buy in the house. And one of the things that's been a big influencer in our house is we do about 80% of our grocery shopping at Aldi, ALDI, which is almost 100% private label store brand. And the quality of the goods are so good that it pretty much has become our go-to as a grocery store, and it has been a way for us to save a lot, a lot of money. But be wary of these big price increases on the brand names because 
this is a cycle. This is a cyclical thing. When people are feeling better about their own wallets, even if they have been happy with the private label, the store stuff, they somehow gravitate back to the brand names because a dollar in your wallet just doesn't feel as important when the dollars have gotten a little fatter in your wallet. And to me, a dollar is important at all times. But I wouldn't be me if I didn't feel that way, right? Amy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Amy. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. So you have a bit of a conundrum that, let's see if I can be of help to you. Yeah, actually, it's my daughter who um, seems to have lost her birth certificate and her social security card. And um, I am wondering um, what to do, what, what to offer her in terms of advice. Well, the most important thing that would be an immediate move is to freeze her credit file if she has not done that yet. Yeah, we've, she's done that. Okay. Um, so if she's done those things, you cannot change the Social Security number. There's almost no circumstances where the Social Security Administration will change a number. So for her, right. if uh, is it possible the card was stolen? I mean, it's not. It, it's. I think there's a small chance that it was. It wasn't. Um, it's. It's been misplaced and it might have been misplaced in a place where somebody could have picked it up and taken it okay so it's really hard to know so i i guess i just want to make sure that in the event somebody does have it that um you know we figure out what to do to try to prevent something from happening well you know i talk about credit freeze as something i want everybody to do anyway but in her case, uh -huh. credit freeze is very valuable because with the information, if the information from the birth certificate and the Social Security card with its number on it, if those two items fell in the hands of a criminal, that's like opening it up wide for identity theft and applying for credit as if they're her, applying for um, service with companies as if they're her. And so... By having the credit frozen, it's like the perfect example how to deal with the perfect storm of key personal information being out there. So there's okay. not really anything else for her to do other than okay. um, when the time comes that she needs to thaw her credit for some purpose, mm -hmm. I would like her to sign up with Credit Karma and Credit Sesame so that she's mm -hmm. got monitoring going on at, at all times of what's going on with their stuff and both of those are free mm -hmm. to use you can't set up mm -hmm. with them while your credit's frozen though mm -hmm. so when yeah, the occasion she, actually she does um have a credit karma account oh good good that's great so yeah. she'll have the yeah. ability to monitor anyway and she's got it frozen so the monitoring is really if somebody were able somehow to defeat the credit freeze system and so okay. she's done what she should and you know okay. getting a new copy of a birth certificate is very easy in most jurisdictions uh -huh. and the replacement social security card is not hard either so getting new documents that's not hard it's worrying about what somebody might do with the documents that were misplaced that's the part that's aggravating 
Okay, and that's basically, those are basically the things that she has to do. And and she doesn't have to notify, um, you know, the Social Security um, office or um, any of those, any official office or... No, and how old is she? She's 29. Yeah, so that's not really an issue. You know, if she okay. were if she were in her 50s or early 60s and her Social Security card had gone missing, I would recommend a process with Social Security where you can set up uh, something called My Social Security, where you're able to monitor that nobody's attempting to do an application to okay. Social Security. But at 20, in her 20s, that's not an issue. Okay, great. So she's good. Great. great. Thank you very much sure. for your advice. And best to her, and it sounds like in a situation that could be messy, she's well protected by having that credit freeze already there. Kimberly's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Kimberly, I'm so glad to have you here because I have had quite a bit of feedback in the two occasions that I've talked about people doing their own uh, teeth straightening, and you have a perspective on that that you wanted to make sure that listeners heard about the idea of buying one of these at-home teeth straightening kits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being a business manager for a dental office, you know, there's there's issues around direct-to-consumer orthodontics. We all see that I really feel like the vast majority of consumers may not be aware of. So hit us with, because what you're going to share is the perspective of when things go wrong, because I hear plenty from people who've used the at-home uh, teeth straighteners that are thrilled with the result, but I'm not hearing from the people who you are privy to. So tell me what kind of things are fouling people up. Sure. Uh, so it's not the appliance itself. The appliance structurally is going to be very similar, if not identical, to a clear aligner that you would get from your dentist or orthodontist. Uh, where the issues come in and where we've seen oral health issues, and in some cases costly oral health issues, not to mention painful, uh, it really comes from not the aligner itself, but the act of straightening a patient's teeth without the in-person supervision of a dentist or orthodontist. And so what kind of uh, things make people vulnerable that are using these at-home uh, teeth straightening kits? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, really any oral health issues and particularly uh, oral health issues that haven't been diagnosed. So the big one is going to be gum disease or particularly advanced gum disease. Uh, you know, so anytime with, with gum disease involved or if there's really any number of procedures that a patient would need, things like fillings or a root canal or crown that hasn't been diagnosed and hasn't been done, uh, you can cause severe damage to your teeth. Um, what brought this issue up for me is a patient that an orthodontist treated uh, adult patient whose front teeth were so loose, adult permanent teeth were so loose, it looked like I was watching a video of a child losing baby teeth. Yuck. I mean, it's shocking, um, but that patient had advanced gum disease and just didn't know it. So, so let me ask you this question, Kimberly. 
if somebody is going to a dentist for teeth cleaning and exams on a regular basis twice a year, they're going to be aware already, aren't they, that they would have gum disease? Yes. And that's more of the ideal candidate, you know, if you're going to do orthodontic treatment without the direct supervision of a dentist or orthodontist, you want to have been regularly seeing your dentist to ensure that your mouth is healthy enough for that. So that's the exact, uh, you you know, in most cases uh, that can help mitigate problems. Uh, You know, however, there can still be issues uh, that come up just in the process of straightening teeth that even if you've been cleared by your dentist, you can still have issues. Um, one of the bigger ones that I hear about and I talked to a patient last week about is she, she kept describing it to me that her teeth were clanging and banging together. And the more that I talked to her, I realized that what she was saying, she was very uncomfortable, it was painful. What she was saying is she can't close her upper and lower teeth. Uh, so that's another part, important part of the orthodontic process that's harder to really address, you know, when you're not seeing a patient in person is not just straightening their teeth, but aligning their teeth so they fit together comfortably when the patient closes their mouth. Uh, You know, anything like that that might require uh, advanced treatments, you know, or other modalities to address, it's just a lot harder to pick up on when you're working remotely with these companies. Well, I appreciate that perspective very much. And You know, we've had a lot of strong feedback from people in the dental industry and that uh, that it doesn't at all share the full story when I talk about people doing this and why they're doing it and how much money they're saving, that you've got a perspective. It's very clear that people can have harm when all they're trying to do is straighten their teeth, that the consequences can be more severe than they realize. Thank you for sharing. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that is such an aggravation for so many of us, and that is the junk phone calls. I have new data for you that will make you reluctant to answer your phone. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. You ever heard of U-Mail, Y-O-U-Mail? It is one of those freemium business model voicemail services where you're able to have basic services for free. You want fancy stuff, you pay. And they have a steadily, continually updated list of scam numbers. And when you have U-Mail, if there's one that they know to be a likely scam call, It pops up that way, and they will divert the call where it will never go through to you. And it won't allow the people to leave a voicemail in many circumstances. Well, they, with the database of people who use U-Mail, they're able to track the source of calls coming in. And their most recent report just released 
finds that nearly four out of ten phone calls that we receive now are from scammers. Nearly four out of ten. Another one in five are from telemarketers. So between those two, you've got closing in on two-thirds of phone calls that we're receiving are junk phone calls of some kind and more likely to be from scammers than they are from just regular old salespeople trying to reach us. So consider following my rule. It's a simple rule. If I don't recognize a number as being from someone I know, I do not answer the call. Just before I went on the air today, I had a phone call come in that said it was from Bank of America. And I don't do business with Bank of America. I knew that it was what's known as a pretexting call, a fake call. And I didn't answer. But what if I was a customer of Bank of America and I see that come up on caller ID, I might be more likely to answer, right? Well, if your bank or whoever actually needed to talk to you, they're going to leave you a voicemail and then never call back from the number left in that voicemail. Call the number that you know to be the financial institution. Because even when it's a place you do business with, the caller may be phony. The situation they're calling you about may be a con and don't get taken. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. And by the way, we offer advice to you off-air over 40 hours each week. You can talk with a member of Team Clark. It's a free service of our show, has been for 26 years, where we'll answer your calls off the air Mondays through Fridays. And if you go to Clark.com, scroll down a little, you'll see the phone number, and hours off-air advice is available each weekday. So over the years, I've talked about how insurers use credit scores as a bigger and bigger factor in how they set rates for a variety of insurance products, particularly auto and homeowners. Now I can add to that that another factor insurers are using to either stick it to people or reward them, is the zip code that you live in. There was a study just completed by the Consumer Federation of America that found enormous differences from zip code to zip code. And this is something of particular interest to me because at one point, my wife and I lived in a house that was at a corner where three zip codes met. I mean, isn't that crazy? When the Postal Service drew the zip codes, if I stepped one way, I was in the second zip code. If I stepped another way, I was in the third zip code. And in my driveway, I was in the zip code that was our official one. 
And according to what the Consumer Federation of America found, there can be differences of hundreds and hundreds of dollars, typically $400 for taking that step across per year and what you pay for auto insurance or homeowner's insurance that they specifically, I shouldn't say that, specifically this study was of auto insurance, just stepping across the street. And not all insurers do things the same way. They're not a monolith. But insurers routinely will use credit scores as a minor factor or a big factor in setting rates. Zip code is a small or big factor in setting rates. And because neither of these things have anything to do with your driving record, your age, male, female, They have nothing to do with the historical factors of setting rates. It means that for the same human being, the price differences from insurer to insurer are the widest gaps that have ever existed. So now you could be someone who has never had a ticket or hadn't had one in recent years. My last ticket was in 1993. I'm a pretty good streak, aren't I, without a ticket? I I don't want that streak to run out. And I can't remember the last time I was in an accident. It's been a long time. Anyway, so those things, how I drive, you'd think that would be how it would be determined what I'm going to pay. But that credit score is going to be giant with many insurers. And the zip code... A little giant. So for you, shopping around where you already know what kind of driver you are, you just need to quote the same level of coverages that you have now. And by the way, raise that deductible when you go to shop, typically to $1,000. You may say, hey, what am I going to do? I don't have $1,000 if something goes wrong. Well, here's the thing. You make small claims on auto insurance, you now have a mark of shame that makes it difficult for you to shop around and is likely to lead to big increases in the premiums you pay with who you're then stuck with. So you want to use auto insurance when you got something relatively bigger that you have to deal with, not something relatively small, because they'll burn you when you make that small claim. It's worse even with homeowner's insurance. But you raise that deductible, and if you have a lot of assets, you own your home free and clear, which like a third of people do, you've got things that are of value, don't cheap out on liability coverage when you decide to get quotes. Make sure you have a decent amount of liability coverage because people see those billboards. People see those TV ads. People see those signs on the side of buses that you have won the lottery. You might not, you don't have to worry about winning the big game or the mega millions. You just have to be in an accident that you got somebody you can go sue. We're a a sue happy country. I was on the west coast of Florida recently and there was this billboard of this person smiling who'd been injured in an accident. 
And the billboard, the person's talking about how some lawyer got him $660,000. And they're smiling ear to ear. You got people out there like that. So make sure that if you got stuff, that you've got enough liability insurance. And if you got a lot of stuff, meaning money, and you own stuff free and clear, you want to look into an umbrella which sits on top of your regular coverage as additional liability, very cheap to buy for what you get, sold in increments of $1 million of additional protection for you in the event somebody's able to hold you responsible for something that went wrong in their lives and they don't have to necessarily show that you're at fault. They just have to convince the insurance company it's not worth their time to defend you and they just start handing out checks. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason. Hey, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you, Jason. You've got money hanging out all over the place. I I, I do, and I I need some help in knowing what to do with it. All right, let me see if I can help. These are good problems to have, by the way. Yes, sir. What's the scoop? I've got got two different 401k accounts um, from two different companies I've worked for in the past. one is currently sitting about 18000 and some change, and the other one around 7000 um, Of course, I no longer work for them, and the company I currently work for does not offer a 401k. So I guess my question is, what do I do with this money that's sitting? Well, you do have the option of just leaving it. And were those big companies small or in between that you were with before? Okay, so the one with 18000 is the one I'm most concerned with because it's a smaller company, and I'm worried if, if they go out of business, what happens to that money? Well, the money would be okay in the 401k, but if it's a small business, there's a different issue, and that small businesses tend to have very high-cost 401ks. Right. So I would skedaddle that money out quickly and move it to one of the low-cost providers and have an IRA with one of them. The three big low-cost providers for having IRAs are Vanguard, Charles Schwab, and Fidelity Investments. Okay. And with Um, them, let me tell you something. Do not call the administrator of of the 401k and say, hey, I want to move this money out into an IRA. They'll say, great, what address do you want to send you a check? Never Mm -hmm. take a check because what they do is they would subtract $3,600 from the check they'd send you mm-hmm. and send it to the IRS as withholding, and you have to make up that 3600 in the next 60 days, or you end up paying massive tax for not being able to make that up. So what you do with whoever you would go with is they'll do paperwork that will move the money directly from the old employer's plan straight into wherever you're going to have the IRA. Okay. Now, do you recommend an IRA or the Roth IRA? I'm not well, you sure can't do... I, just, I if, know I hear you talk about both. Yeah. I just... <laughs> All right. So the story is you can't take money that was in a traditional 401k and put it into a Roth without having a big tax bill because all that okay. money that we went in that. was pre-tax. Correct. So you go into a traditional IRA with that money not a Roth IRA. Okay. And you can, over time, migrate the money 
from the traditional to a Roth is you could afford to pay tax on money each year, or you could just know you got money that's there that's going to grow over the years that you're going to have to pay tax on someday. Now, let's talk about the other one, the 7000 Is that mm-hmm. in a big employer's plan or small? No, it's a very large employer. They're traded on the stock exchange. So as a big employer, the odds favor that that will be an extremely low-cost plan, probably lower than you could find in an IRA. Okay. So uh, the only exception to that would be if they have that money administered by an insurance company for them, the 401k, or by a bank. It's 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 through one of the three that you mentioned. Earlier. Oh, then you could just leave that seven behind and move the eighteen. Okay, and then as far as contributing to that, then you're able to contribute straight to the IRA versus trying to go through back. back Great channel, question. Back Great question. So let's say um, let's keep this simple. In fact, let me let me really think about this. Who is the company that? administers the plan for the big publicly traded company you used to work for it's vanguard so if you want to keep it simple um move both of them to vanguard in an mm-hmm. ira and just be done with the old employers 401ks because if it's with vanguard the costs will be low enough as an individual anyway and then you've got the simplification of just having an ira there and then at Vanguard, open a Roth for any future contributions. So you'd okay. leave the 25 to grow in a Vanguard IRA, and then you open a new account with Vanguard for a Roth, and any current or future contributions you make go into the Roth. Okay, and then those can be... Uh, so, just so, I'm sorry, I'm not 100% up to date on all these things, but a Roth... Is post-tax correct? Exactly, and you're already going to have twenty-five grand that's in a pre-tax account. You want to have money in a post-tax account in a Roth. It's really great to have a mix of both, but tilted more towards the Roth. This would be a way for you to do it. You simplify your life. You just have an IRA at Vanguard, a Roth IRA at Vanguard, old money in the IRA, new money in the Roth IRA, and that would be a good way for you to build up money going forward. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. You got a puzzle you want to see if I can find the pieces for. Yes, sir. Uh, Wife and I were looking at 2019 health plans. Uh, Currently, we are all on a family plan under my health insurance. However, my company starts surcharging a surcharge for a spouse that's able to get health insurance through their employer. Um, and using round numbers, it's roughly $1,400 a year. So if I cover my dependents and myself, it, the premiums would be $900 uh, versus including her, which would be 1800 on top of that $1,400 surcharge annually. So she's um, 900 extra a month plus an additional $1,400 surcharge a year? Correct. So she's 10, 8, uh, 11, 8, 12. 12000 something a year for health coverage through your existing employer. Mm-hmm. How much is it for her if she goes on her employer's plan? It would be 1100 a year. 1100 a year versus 12000 a year? Or, uh, no, versus about 1200 additional on top of that for the family plan. Um, 
I mean, the nice thing too is if we both take our company sponsored plans, the they're both high deductible plans where mine's three thousand dollars, but the company incentivizes the employees for two thousand, thus leaving roughly a thousand dollar to cover for that deductible. Uh, where her, hers is five thousand, but it would cover one hundred percent once that's met. So uh, the main question is to still keep the whole family under one bucket, or should we each take our own plan and then just try to max out the uh, annual HSA for 2019? So that was all very confusing numbers. <laughs> but the advantage of each of you being on your own employer's plan is you never know what happens with the job market, mm. the jobs you have, who ends up owning, who you work for, and things like that. So I actually like, unless uh, it was prohibitively more expensive for each of you to be on your own plan, to be each on your own plan. In this case, it's actually cheaper for her to be mm-hmm. on her own plan, if I followed the math. Correct. Yeah, it would save us right around 2200 a year, give or take, just yeah. in premiums and, and the surcharge. Yeah, so I would say it definitely makes sense. For her to stay on, to go on her company plan, you're on your plan, uh, gathered it was better for the kids to be on your plan. So I would do that where you each have, it uh, gives you more flexibility, more versatility with health coverage if you're each on your own thing instead of all of you are on your own, particularly with it being a money savings. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. It's time for Ask Clark. Will you post a question for me at Clark.com? Producer Joel asks it. Clark, Bill wrote in. He said, what's your opinion on having a living will? Oh, I want everybody to have a living will because I want you to be able to state what your preferences are in the event that you are incapacitated and can't speak for yourself. Many states now have a state-mandated form, uh, often referred to as an advanced healthcare directive and in many states you have both a representative you appoint in this form and you state your wishes you know what do you want to have happen in different circumstances and many times there'll be things you really haven't thought of or through because just because you're temporarily incapacitated the question would then become more What are your chances for recovery and all that? And you decide. Now, I've sat with people doing these forms where, and you really don't know where people's heads are about this kind of stuff till they do it, where someone will say, oh, yeah, do everything possible. Or somebody will say, no way. You know, I want to do not resuscitate. I want this, that, and the other. Personal preference is what matters. It's not appropriate to just have it in your own head. And all you got to do is go on whatever search engine you use, Google, DuckDuckGo, whatever you do, and you put in advanced healthcare directive and then whatever your state name is. And then you will see, get past the ads, these forms are free, 
done by the states, and you'll see the official form for your state, if your state has, most of them do have an official form. You just fill it out, have it witnessed as it calls for, and you're good. Just make sure the people you want to make your medical decisions for, you know your wishes verbally, as well as having a copy of the form. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.